Jesus said, For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. In the name of the living and true God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. This past Friday evening, I was up late catching up on some reading and some writing and some emails. And it was getting close to around midnight, and before I went to bed, I thought I'd go check the news headlines one more time. It's a minor addiction that I have, checking the news. And at the top of my computer screen was a thin red line of text, breaking news, 7.8 earthquake strikes Nepal. And it had been posted literally within three minutes time uh, from the time I saw it. And I clicked on the link and there was barely a couple sentences of text, really just basic facts being reported. I did a quick search of the internet, which turned up the same basic information. And then I did what we do in the 21st century now, if you really want to find out the news, and I opened up my Instagram account on my phone. And I searched hashtag earthquake, and the posts were just starting to trickle in. Strangely, most of them carried a kind of lighthearted tone. There were a couple short videos of like a glass of water trembling from the earthquake, or another video showed a ceiling fan swinging in a room. And obviously, these were not taken near the epicenter. There were a couple photos of broken sidewalks and streets with long crevices, indicating that there was significant damage that was happening. But the quake had literally just happened and the aftershocks were still happening. I said a prayer for the people in Nepal and then I laid down and went to sleep. And when I woke up in the morning, I saw what we all saw yesterday morning as the damage began pouring in on the news feeds. At that time, there were nearly 800 people who they knew had died and that number climbed throughout the day. The, the latest I saw was that it's over the 2,000 mark. Buildings and homes had collapsed. Cars were crushed. Avalanches were triggered on Mount Everest. And the images on Instagram yesterday morning had a far more sobering tone. One photograph, perhaps you've seen it, showed a man still alive whose head was completely gray from dust and it was the only thing sticking out of a pile of rubble. It looked like he was buried in sand at the beach, but he was buried beneath a building. I was surprised to find, though, yesterday morning that while there were many photographs of damage from the quake, there were even more posts, literally hundreds and hundreds of posts, with the simple message, pray for Nepal. What an encouraging message. And for Christians, this truly is our primary and principal response to remember in prayer those in need. Ironically, this disaster and others like it are often the very thing that can keep us from praying to God. These are the very kinds of disasters that challenge our belief in God. If there is a God, why would he let this happen? And they challenge our trust in God. If there is a God, well, he cannot be good, because if he was good, again, why would he let this happen? 
The destruction and the massive loss of life caused by this earthquake and countless other tragedies before it are at the very heart of what philosophers and theologians call the problem of innocent suffering. So many atheists, agnostics, and former believers hang their hat on this very real and troubling conundrum. But to put an even finer point on the problem, it is not that God causes innocent suffering. If he did, he truly would not be a good God. He would be an evil being. We believe that everything God created is good and that he loves all that he created. So causing his good creation whom he loves to suffer really makes no sense at all. So the challenging question is not why does God cause innocent suffering? He does not cause innocent suffering. The challenging question is why does God allow innocent suffering? Because there's no getting around the fact that God, if he is really and truly God, could in his almighty power prevent whatever it is that he saw fit to prevent, including and especially innocent suffering. This is the challenging question. If God could stop a tragedy from occurring, then why doesn't he? Now, of course, here's an interesting thought. We have no way of knowing how many tragedies God has prevented. But even if we did, it would not change the fact that others have been allowed to unfold. Why? And when we ask this question, we often presume that God himself is above and beyond and removed and separated from creation, and that we are the ones who are suffering innocently down here below on earth. We presume that God gets away unscathed while we suffer the consequences of his permissive, per permissiveness, of his laissez-faire will. And this seems at best unjust and at worst downright immoral. I mean, in some states and municipalities in this land, it's actually a crime for failing to act in certain circumstances. But what we often overlook is that God incarnate, our Lord Jesus Christ, has himself experienced the fullness of innocent suffering on the cross. And in the most incredible and mysterious twist, he has allowed his own suffering and death to occur. Christ our God could have saved himself from the hands of his persecutors. You remember that he was even tempted by the jeering crowd to do so. If you are the son of God, save yourself. The chief priests and the scribes and the elders mocked him, saying, he saved others, he cannot save himself. But in today's gospel from St. John, our Lord prophesies the choice that he made on the cross, saying, I lay down my life of my own accord. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. In laying down his life for us on the cross, Jesus has done what no other human being is capable of doing. We cannot lay down 
our lives. We can take our own lives, which is breaking a commandment, or our lives can be taken from us in a variety of different ways. But it is only because our Lord has the power to save himself and that he did not exercise that power. He has the power to prevent his death, but he didn't exercise it that he is able to lay down his life because he does it of his own accord. And in so doing, we see that God himself has allowed himself to suffer and die. God himself has entered into the very heart of the problem of innocent suffering. Christ, who is without sin, perfectly innocent, the Lamb of God without spot or blemish, allows himself to suffer and die. To say that God does not understand the pain of the problem of innocent suffering is truly to not know the story of the incarnate Christ. Not only does God understand, but he has entered into and experienced innocent suffering to a depth that we can never know because he has done so voluntarily. And of course, he has done this not for his own sake, but for ours. He has done this for the life of the world to restore the image of God in us that was lost in the darkness of sin and death. We do not know why God continues to allow innocent suffering. We are tempted to presume in our frustration and anger that in order for him to do so, God must on some level be uncaring or unloving or vindictive or resentful or indifferent, or the atheist's response, simply not there. We do not know why God allows events to unfold in the world the way that they do, but the Holy Scriptures are filled with things that we do know about God, things that we can hang our hats on. Beginning with the unfailing and invincible love, he has shown for us, his beloved creatures, through his Son. On the cross, Christ our God allows himself to suffer that the world might be saved through him. As St. John writes in today's epistle, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. God does not cause suffering, nor does he desire our suffering. To the contrary, everything that he has done, is doing, and will forever do is for the healing and well-being and salvation of the world. St. John writes, God sent his Son into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. God sent his Son into the world to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to redeem the souls of the lost and broken, to relieve the suffering of the world that has been brought on by sin and death. The Good Shepherd has come into this world that we might have life and have it abundantly. These things we know. When we are confronted with the painful tragedy of innocent suffering, we must guard ourselves against the temptation to distrust God's will and his unfailing love. 
And there is no better way to guard ourselves against these temptations than to turn to God in prayer. So in the hopes of increasing our faith and our love and our trust in God, and to love our neighbors in Nepal, not only in word and speech, but in deed and in truth, I'd like to take a few minutes to turn our hearts to God in prayer and pray for Nepal. Would you please stand with me as we pray? Gracious God and Heavenly Father, into your hands we commend all those who have lost their lives in Nepal as a result of these earthquakes. We commend them, Lord, into the hands of you, our faithful creator and most loving savior. In your infinite goodness, wisdom, and power, work in them the merciful purpose of your perfect will. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for all those who remain, for those who mourn the loss of loved ones, for those whose bodies are broken and whose spirits are crushed. We pray for those who are now homeless, hungry, frightened, and alone, for the elderly, the infirm, the widowed, and the orphan. Comfort them with your presence and fill them with your love. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for government and aid workers, for doctors and nurses, for all those helping friends and neighbors from near and far, for the strength and courage and right judgment in all they do. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray that all those who are suffering from this disaster would be healed by the power of the risen Christ, that his grace and peace would be made known to them through this turmoil and destruction, that his light would shine upon them in the darkness, that as they walk through the valley of the shadow of death, they would fear no evil. We pray, Lord God, that your son, the good shepherd, would be present with them. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. O merciful Father, you have taught us in your holy word that you do not willingly afflict or grieve your children. Look with pity upon the sorrows of your servants for whom our prayers are offered. Remember them, O Lord, in mercy. Nourish their souls with patience. Comfort them with the sense of your goodness. Lift up your countenance upon them and give them peace. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Most merciful God, whose wisdom is beyond our understanding, deal graciously with them in their grief. Surround them with your love, that they may not be overwhelmed by their loss, but have confidence in your goodness and strength to meet the days to come. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Help us, we pray, in the midst of things we cannot understand, to believe and trust in the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, and the resurrection of life everlasting. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Most loving Father, whose will it is for us to give thanks for all things, to fear nothing but the loss of you, and to cast all our care on you who care for us. Preserve us from faithless fears and worldly anxieties, that no clouds of this mortal life may hide from us the light of that love which is immortal and which you have manifested to us in your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. To him, to you, and to the Holy Ghost be honor and glory now and forever. Amen. Amen.